0: You're listening to Messages of Infinite Light with Anne Kate Sullivan, the show that helps us discover the truth of who we are and imagines where we are going as masterful creators. Welcome Light Travelers. This is Ayn Kate Sullivan, host of Messages of Infinite Light, where we envision a new and evolving humanity. We've got this. We can do it. So I have a lot of people coming on with conversations about solutions. I'm really excited about this. If you want to hear more, you can go to superpowerexperts.com/messages of infinite light. Or if you want to go into our spiritual roots, you can go to superpowerexperts.com/wisdom of the ages. I've got lots and lots of episodes there. So. And if you want to read about things, you can go to InfiniteLightPublishing.com. See, we have solutions. We're going everywhere. Humanity is evolving. It might feel as if, you know, the world is crumbling apart. But, you know, if a butterfly is going to move out of the chrysalis and take flight, it does actually need to engage itself in its own metamorphosis, a new dream. You know, and if you're flying into a new dream, you probably need new skill sets and they might be more intuitive. They might be, they might require the body to sense a little differently. It it might require that we can actually lucid dream with each other or step into the future and come back. So lots is happening. You know, lot many, many things are unfolding. We tend to hear one agenda. Here I'm inviting lots and lots and lots of different views. So I'm the author of the Legends of the Grail series, and many of the stories are set in a time when the Roman armies have left Britain, and they're, they're warring tribes everywhere. Everything's falling apart. Nobody knows what's going on. We're in this kind of void time. And then Merlin comes out of the forest, right? So King Arthur emerges as the divinely chosen and inspired leader, and with the help of Merlin, of course, who is the intuitive, who is the visionary, who is the one who can see into the future, the prophet, and Nimue, his feminine counterpart, He uh, together, uh, they're able to bring people for a period of time into unity at the round table. So unity consciousness is a frequency. It's not a Marxist domination and control, but it's a, a model of liberation. And in order to make this leap, we must begin to understand direct knowing. And to understand direct knowing, we have to understand ourselves. We have to locate ourselves and our body in the present moment and trust what we find there. So, and this again, reminds me of this mythological figure, Merlin who appears in every age merlin merlin always appears for each generation and we know he has special gifts he can read the flights of birds he can speak to trees and animals he has the gift of intuition and even prophecy and these skill sets help author establish his kingdom author's got a different set of skill sets different gifts right so he's embodied he's the war he's the warrior And, uh, you know, Nimue, Nimue, on the other hand, has yet another set of skill sets and so does Guinevere. All the characters, all the players are needed in the unfolding drama and all of their skill sets are slightly different, but together they work. So really like Merlin and the whole Arthurian crew, we must learn to trust what our bodies are telling us the feelings that arrive, the intuitive messages that we hear, the dreams and the visions that arise and the way in which we feel the, the world around us and the way that we express because our words act rather as spells. We're creating the world we're living into. So this might feel strange or scary or even crazy making it at first, but our unique gifts are what make, make us human. Ultimately, you know, we're, we're creators. So this is why I support literature and arts as well as scientific and mystical exploration. I mean, I think it's great to have a private journal or even a series of journals where we can dream and draw and create. I mean, look at Carl Jung in his red book. He started a whole movement, the union analysis with what he did by listening to his inner world. So human beings are creator beings. Remember that. We have, we have more powers than we've even begun to tap into. It's often said that the truth will set us free, and we can only sense what the truth is because the truth constantly changes. <laughs> That's the trouble. As soon as you write it down, it's not the truth anymore. So we must learn to trust our creative design. So my guest today is Courtney Marcusani, a woman who has embraced the science of sensitivity. Courtney reminds us that each one of us has a special gift and potentially a combination of gifts. Some people are visionaries. As I've said, again, I'm pointing it out again, but I want you to hear it. Some people are visionaries, others are intuitive or empathic, or others must express themselves creatively. So today, we will be exploring the emerging gifts that many people are awakening to, how to recognize and harness these gifts, we recently did an episode on wisdom of the ages called highly sensitive people, which I encourage you to listen to also in that episode, Courtney Marcusani defines the difference between the sensitive, intuitive, the sensitive empath, the sensitive, expressive, and the sensitive visionary. And there's also a test you can take to find out what you are, which makes it even more personal and more interesting. Right? So I'm going to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, We're going to explore the emerging gifts that people might be experiencing and what this might mean for the trajectory of humanity. So if you wanna know what type of sensitivity you have, check her out, on check Courtney out on www.inspiredpotentials.com and you'll be able to figure out something about your own personal gifts. So stay tuned, I'll be right back.
1: The Superpower Experience goes way beyond the podcast. Listeners can connect with hosts and one another inside the Superpower Universe Plus membership. Members get access to high-vibe connections, Superpower Masterclasses, and much, much more. Don't wait another moment to step into your superpowers. Go to SuperpowerExperts.com and sign up today.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Anne Kate Sullivan, host of Messages of Infinite Light. And today I'm speaking with Courtney Marcusani about her new book, Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive, and how embracing these gifts could positively impact humanity. So welcome, Courtney Marcusani.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I am so happy you are here too. We had such a great conversation last time. I said, well, we have to continue this.
1: Yes. Deepening, deepening.
0: Absolutely. So maybe we should start out by going through the, the four gifts again, just briefly. So everyone's caught up to speed here.
1: Yes. So the four gifts that I lay out in the book, four gifts of the highly sensitive are intuition, or intuitive, highly intuitive people, empathic, highly empathic people, visionaries, and expressive. So intuition or people who have um, the intuitive gift, they have super quick processing speed to be able to take information from their subconscious and bring it to their conscious and get answers to questions um without knowing how it's not a logical process it's not using intellectualism or linear thought it's a completely intuitive process where answers come by flash it's like a flash forward and The nuances in intuition are really interesting and fascinating to me because the intuitive insights come in different ways. Some people can be visual with their intuition, some people use auditory intuition, and I go through those subtle layers of how intuition works for highly intuitive, um, sensitive people um, in the book. The second type is empathic. Empathic individuals have a Uh, Very adept skill at being able to process through like first person perspective or their own uh, perspective and focus other people's feelings through their own subjective feelings. So that's feeling other people's feelings um, as if they were your own. The classic definition of empathy is emotional resonance with another, but people who are highly sensitive and they're gifted with their empathy, it becomes really uh, a much deeper, more exaggerated type of empathy where the distinction between their own self and someone else um, might blur or might kind of evaporate. And so the empath is a very deep empath. It's feeling a lot of people's other people's feelings all the time, but not necessarily know it. Then the visionary, um, visionary, uh, highly sensitive visionaries are able to use their mind's eye to uh, detect information that might otherwise be ignored through their visual field. There can be an internal mind's eye or a mind's eye that feels slightly external, like an imaginal space in front of the eyes, where they use spatial awareness, spatial reasoning, um, facial recognition, um, micro-expressions. I mean, it comes in a in a multitude of ways, but the visionaries essentially are solving problems through their mind's eye and that's their special ability. And so they might get flashes of images that feel clairvoyant almost, uh, but usually it is connected to problem solving. And once again, I go into all the different ways that that can arrive in the visionary's mental field in the book. And then there are the expressives. The expressives, um, I saw this pattern in the research that, that I did, uh, on sensitivity where there was a sub factor of general sensitivity called aesthetic sensitivity. And so the individuals that are blessed with this type of aesthetic sensitivity use it to synthesize um, their environment and, and, and a beautiful like interconnectivity between themselves and their environment where they bring artistic fusion through their own mind and body to create. And so this is a perception and awareness of beauty um, and being in nature, uh, feeling connected to others and the interconnectivity between others. And they express it with their unique language. And that language doesn't have to be verbal, it can be visual. It can be through physical movement like dancing. So these are the quintessential artists, the writers, the painters, the poets, the singers, the the actors, the dramatists. And so they are expressing in their own unique language through their aesthetic uh, sensitivity, that beauty that they perceive so well.
0: That's so amazing. I can think of people right off the top of my head that fall into... Those categories, and then some people who might be a mixture. Uh, do, are there some famous people that are related to each one?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I go through profiles of individuals that I have studied for a long time and I talk about them and what makes them. Um, you know, sometimes I just name one, sometimes I name multiple. One of the ones that I talk about in profile uh, is Daniel Day Lewis. And I identified him as a sensitive expressive, someone who uses that, um, that artistic language, but also has an ability to immerse himself into the character by watching and perceiving body language as that empathy, the deep empathy. And so I go into different profiles and explain why I believe, um, someone like Daniel Day Lewis might be an expressive. Um, You know, a pretty pretty magnificent example of someone who's been able to receive the success from being a sensitive expressive, but also some of the challenges that he's faced as an actor being an, an expressive. So definitely, you can tell these individuals by learning what the gifts are, and then you start to see how these patterns emerge. I mean, that's how I recognized it is through all my research, I started to recognize these patterns emerge of the gifts.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And where would Rudolf Steiner fall?
1: Oh, my gosh. He's definitely an intuitive visionary. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he, when he was young, right, he was clairvoyant and experienced being able to see Um, you know, spirits, or, you know, the embodiment of what would be something on the ethereal, so he could see things that other people didn't see. But he was also highly intuitive. And his whole philosophy of making science more spiritual or soulful um, was definitely connected to intuition and his own intuition. And he talked about intuition, right? And and the metasenses, and how there's all these different sensory systems that connect us to the high, higher planes of consciousness and that our role here on earth is to really develop our spiritual self. And so I think that if I were to to look at that, I would think that he was an intuitive visionary because of those you know, those abilities, he had the clairvoyance, and he had visions and look at the work that he did at the Waldorf school, at the uh, at the tobacco factory there and how he developed all that schooling that became really a, a way of schooling now. So that was very visionary as well.
0: Absolutely. Now, how would he differ from somebody maybe a contemporary like Carl Jung?
1: Oh my gosh. So I think that they have a lot of things in common, but of course there's individual differences when you're looking at the sum of the whole person's life. Um, I do believe I've, I've taken so many deep dives on Carl Jung and, you know, his childhood, and he was similar to Steiner when he was a child, he had some of these same type of experiences, right? He had some clairvoyant experiences, he had lucid dreaming happening, and so when he was a child, he was deeply affected. By those experiences, he went into traditional science, similar to Steiner, where he went into the field and became a prominent scientist, but he also married that science with this other more esoteric um, experience. And so he really tied those together. So I would also say that he was a visionary. Plus, he had all the visions of uh, Philemon and all the archetypal experiences that he had that he basically built into... Um, and iconography for other psychoanalysts to be able to look at these different symbols and say these are part of the collective unconscious. And so I think that he was probably less empathic. I mean, I know he was. Um, he did feel empathic toward his patients but i would definitely say he was probably also more intuitive in his um you know his scientific thought because he led with his intuition and he also talked about intuition and defined intuition through different types of constellations of things um in the psyche like synchronicities and really dug down into that and so i think that he's similar to steiner in many ways but also he forged as a pioneer with the cross-cultural stuff. And I think that Steiner might not have done that as much. I mean, Steiner did the New Thought movement, um, you know, with these other luminaries of the time. But Jung but really went into more of the cultural Mm-hmm. aspects. You know, he went and looked at the mandala and these other forms of concretizing the psyche, you know, in reality. And so I think that's where they might depart a little bit.
0: Well, certainly. I mean, definitely, Rudolf Steiner was more of a mystic. Well, Carl Jung was a mystic too, but he... Sure. He,
1: yes. I mean, he did he start
0: this. <laughs> he was. They, were, they both are, but it's interesting just to look at the differences. I mean, here are these two people who who made enormous contributions to humanity by being visionaries, but but encourage us to work with it in completely different ways, which would make me think that that he's also an expressive. I was just
1: going to (laughs) say, we had a telepathic thing. Our minds were cranking (laughs) together there because... Young was definitely an expressive, mm-hmm. no doubt, because when he had his break, right, he had kind of his own psychotic break. He went to Bollingen and went and worked in the castle mm-hmm. and did the sand and did the play and connected with his own inner child, which really helped him deepen his awareness of, um, you know, that concretizing of the self. And so he was definitely expressive because he was using art therapy his own divinity leading him to his own art therapy that he needed to find wholeness or psychological wholeness through self-expression.
0: Mm-hmm. And he really needed to. Anyway, And I think that it's wonderful reading the Red Book uh, again <laughs> to see, to understand his struggles and that struggling with what you think is real and what you think might be imaginary and not understanding the difference is very human and actually is what forges us so
1: well and i think that one of the beautiful things about his life and his devotion to that psychological wholeness allows us now to be able to rely on that what he what he was able to accomplish with his life i mean we have words like um the imaginal space Mm -hmm. um which has been you know used by shamans forever right, the imaginal space and the layers of reality, but he brought it into psychology as concepts that we can now rely on for healing and for wellness that might not have come about had he not been incarnated. And the other thing that is phenomenal about his expression is that he's so articulate when you go and you look at his near-death experience and how he articulated what he experienced when he had his hospitalization it's so incredibly clear the clarity of which he's able to express himself is a beautiful gift to all of us because i feel like in, like, mental health in the world today, there are people like Young who are being missed all the time, who have mm-hmm. talents, who have talents, and they're kind of being um, suppressed, maybe for uh, labeling or a misdiagnosis, where really, if they're allowed to be free with who they really are and their creative spirit. Um, like Jung was, to have that openness and exploration, we would have less pain and suffering in trying to be something else. Um, I think
0: that's, that's why, the, why Rudolf Steiner Waldorf schools are so good, too, because they uh, encourage the children to find their own gifts and expression. So And
1: meet them where they are. I mean, the mm-hmm. teachers are their whole method – is to not negate the child's experience it's to really meet the child where they are and in in a lot of ways it it mirrors you know Montessori in that it's child led
0: right montessori it's is not, also great because it's not the mind poisonous
1: mind. pedagogy <laughs>
0: we might need some new types of education as we evolve what do you okay so what do you see do you are you finding that more and more people are having some kind of spiritual awakening and do we need new educational models to help these i mean it's probably not just kids probably everybody
1: Definitely. I definitely see that there are uh, the awakening process does seem to be happening. I mean, typically, you know, in traditional cultures, the indigenous cultures that have been able to hold their sacred ways, you know, young people in the tribe will be identified as being those talented individuals that need training and apprenticeship. And because of that fracturing that's happened, And because of, you know, dominator cultures or cultural um, acculturation, essentially, right, to have to adapt to the larger populations or the dominator cultures, societal ways that was lost for a long time because of trauma and violence. But I do think there's a resurgence happening where we're being more aware of it. And I also think that there's because technology is advanced the way it has, people are sharing it. Mm-hmm. They're sharing their stories of awakening. And so you really do see where people are talking about awakening more so now. I do feel like the shortfall is in the places where you can go. If it's not in the culture, like it would tend to be in an mm-hmm. indigenous culture through a, a, a medicine person or an elder, you feel like you're really left out. So I do think there will be more edu- educational places like Waldorf. That will spring up to, to, to heal that gap, to fuse the gap.
0: I think it's important. We find it in mythology, you know, Merlin's mm-hmm. Seven Years of Madness in the Forest, right? Or we find and so in that whole Celtic world, you find um, people who who go into the woods to drop the ego and and find out maybe who they really are. Now you find it in shamanic traditions, also, you find it in India, right? So they're different uh you know the mayans talk about it native americans talk about it so i think these are discussions like you said they've been marginalized but there are discussions that have happened i mean even dreaming the lucid dreaming the bond tradition of tibet is mm-hmm. you know tenzin rinpoche and mm-hmm. i think they're in, in the psychological world there are people who are starting to really embrace it apart from carl jung but but in a more uh, contemporary context, where like for instance, the Diamond approach, the Ridwan School
1: mm-hmm. is one,
0: is uh, very much a, a spiritual um, psychological school, and the main teacher there, or the, the founder, Age Almas, has brought the the vocabulary forward in ways that are pretty wonderful, so that we can understand presence and different dimensions of the soul without thinking without to sound like like you're crazy but i think what one thing that's really important is that when there're many different ways to learn and i have three higher degrees so i, I can definitely focus i can do focused learning linear learning
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, not everybody can it's a, everyone's got a different kind of skill set other people like my husband was a football player so he he can read a field and know what's going on a field before you can before he even thinks about it you know <laughs> but that's why he's Hall of Fame you know guy in, in in that arena but when I started opening up spiritually I had a big mystical experience in India and when I started awakening I started looking for the for the people who could help me with this and there are people there they're just they're they're shy because they've been marginalized. And I found this wonderful woman. I can talk about her now. She she actually died this summer, but her name was Dottie Hook. And she, what would she have been? She I think she was a pure empath because she would put her hands on my shoulders and she could merge into my thoughts with me (laughs) it was the wildest thing she could think my thoughts with me at the same time but it had this wonderful effect because I realized I was not alone in fact none of us are alone you know that we we just need to train into some of these skills
1: well and I think that when you're on that path the invitation comes whether it's through the lucid dreaming Where you start to be really aware and present in your dreams that you're getting guidance and you're getting support. Now, whether that's from your internal wisdom, like Jung had through Philemon and and the winged being, which was, you know, later described as his inner authority. We all have an inner authority that helps to balance out that ego part of it because what i think we're, we're at a crisis now right now in our society and why i think nature is really bringing a lot of these people about through evolution is that balance that balancing act i mean we've just gone through multiple decades of the ego um mm-hmm. you know and the narcissism and the, literally the selfie right where people are just focused on ego presentation to the world whereas what we're talking about is this very deep internal development that could give a crap about a lot of that you know superficial narcissistic you know egoic so i do think that there is a reconciliation happening right now where we are being asked spiritually this is my own opinion but to balance that force with nature. And so that's where you see a lot of the expressives budding and coming to life, because that's part of their like, soul mission, honestly, is to connect with nature in a deep way and almost act as a channel, as a deeper channel for it. And what you will find Through evidence, and I've been doing it myself through my own research, is you'll find that these individuals learn in different ways. They might be dyslexic. They might have learning disorders. They might have, you know, other types of challenges because inevitably what you see is there's differences. There's subtle differences. And so the more, um, you know, the gifts present themselves, You need to look and evaluate the pattern, and you'll see that there are typically different ways of learning, and that individual has to learn and adjust with that. That can cause some pain and suffering with the traditional school system because we're all basically asked to learn the same way, essentially, or the same subjects, whereas these individuals that we're talking about are experiencing different types of learning. It's exactly what you said, so it's alternative they would need alternative forms of learning to be able to help maximize. But
0: well, we could even call it traditional since it would have been the original learning.
1: Exactly. <laughs> we need to we need to integrate those more so that these individuals can reach their, you know, reach their own potential. Cause we don't really know as we evolve what the full potential of these abilities or these gifts are. We're still learning.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, and you said something that was really important. So we've been very ego identified. I don't think it's, it's an accident that for the past, maybe 2000 years, we've really focused on the evolution of the individual, because I think that's probably what we're supposed to have been focusing on. But what's happening now, it feels as we step into the Aquarian ages, we're stepping into this new time is that we're, we're learning how to work collectively. So this unity consciousness. So we, And in order to do that, you need to be able to function as an individual, whatever your skill sets are. And also, you need to be able to function soulfully. And you need to be able to go back and forth, but it requires a new skill set. This is me. This is me getting excited. When I read your book, this is what I thought.
1: (laughs) It is, yeah. It's more like service. Develop yourself, of course. Take care of yourself and do all you can, you know, and all that self-care, which can feel to sensitive people a lot of times like being, quote, selfish, Mm -hmm. being selfish, which is actually – not being selfish, it's good self care, and we need more of it because we are. We tend to need more downtime. We tend to need more quiet time, and more of these, you know, spiritual practices to keep ourselves balanced. But once we have those things, we've gone through our process. Then I do believe that it's part of the collective that all of that work we've done is to help the collective of our society in profound ways. I mean, that's just, you know, where I stand. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's just about individualistic notions anymore. I do believe that we are part of this evolutionary curve where we are being asked spiritually to attain uh, what we can through our own health so that we could give back, you know, and work in ways that support, yeah, support evolution, but in a more collectivistic way.
0: And then also, it seems something else is going on. So we've been. Thinking about time in this very linear way, but actually, apparently, time, we're, we live in more of a holographic universe than we might have thought. So, time, past, present, and future are going on simultaneously, which requires a new type of perception. Do you want to speak on that?
1: Well, I think that time is the one thing that is really going to start being disrupted through, um, if I were to make a prediction, I think that the whole notion of uh, timing, work timing, all these things are going to be disrupted in a way that requires us to be more fluid. And and I don't think, I'm not saying like it's going to be chaotic and global disorder. I just think that the one thing we can rely on in our reality is time's arrow. We're always moving forward. We're always clicking forward. And there is a very clear arrow of time. But I do think within that parameter or within our dimension of time, people are going to be definitely disrupting the way time is being managed right now on the earth. We're already seeing it where people want more time at home. They want to be out of work culture and be using time efficiently. And so I do think that these individuals who are talking about are going to be shaping that curve we're mm-hmm. going to be shaping the front of how we're doing our time time management and all of that is definitely going to it's going to change how it's being managed.
0: So how do you think the people who are in their spiritual awakening can get some support now because I, one thing that I have observed with people over the years is when the spiritual awakening starts and you're starting to perceive differently, the first thing that happens is you, you think you've gone insane. I mean, even Carl Jung, right? I guess Steiner didn't do that, but Carl Jung for sure uh, was worried and had a breakdown. So how do people get support? What kind of groups do we need to form so people actually need can understand their own metamorphosis?
1: I do think that there are certain, um, and this is just based on trust, completely on trust, um, so you don't have to believe what I'm saying, but through my own experience and evolution with the crisis that happened, cause I also had a crisis and I was physically disabled because of it with no other medical condition, no other preconditioning, anything. It was just a clear, a clear psychic break and wounding that happened from the spiritual world. <laughs> and it was traumatic and it made everything in my life stop really, and made me evaluate What is this? And it was a calling. And so, if it is a true spiritual calling and you get called from the spiritual world, there is kind of a stepping stone process that happens. And that stepping stone process is there from the spirit world to help guide you as easily as possible in the physical reality without, you know, tearing your psyche apart. But it does tend to tear your psyche apart. And so, you will get an invitation. And what I started to realize through my own acceptance of the calling is that the invitation um, comes and you either take it or you don't. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so the support for that spiritual um, calling comes. It comes organically and you just have to have faith. It is literally the leap of faith that you need to take that you're going to have what's provided. Now, I'm not saying just sit back and wallow or, you know, just, you know, not be proactive in your own spiritual process. But I do think that people are invited into specific types of spiritual work for their own destiny, for their own work and their own mission on the planet. And you just have to be patient and you have to be observant. And when the invitation comes, you have to be courageous enough to accept it.
0: I think it's true. And, yeah, you know, if we're going through a, a collective nervous breakthrough.
1: I <laughs> the fact that we have- break down, break down, break down, break
0: I think it's, it's a breakdown, but really ultimately it's a breakthrough. You know, I keep thinking, Oh, it's the, it's the butterfly coming out of the chrysalis. And so many people have had breakdown. Like, I mean, just back to Carl Jung is like, if he hadn't responded to the calling of his soul, he wouldn't have started this incredible movement right his his union analysis it's so he he became a contribution to humanity because he was willing to go through and experience what it took to to realize that like philemon who's his guide that shows up that and he had he had to deal with snakes and all kinds of scary images that with his christian ideology were just terrifying for him and he had to work through and understand that he was receiving like life symbols. (laughs) There's something else going on in the psyche. So I wonder if it's the psyche that's being stripped away and damaged. I mean, I know that the soul is very um, malleable and impressionable, but it it seems like it's the ego shell, which of course we need to be functional, but the ego shell, it it seems as to be what cracks.
1: Definitely. What we think we know, what we think we know about reality, our belief systems i mean all that gets challenged when it's a true awakening process a lot of that has to be shed and i think it's it's because um you have to be able to perceive like you're talking about in these other dimensions and you need to have a good sense of yourself when you're in those other dimensions that you are coherent that you're getting coherent information and you're making it coherent as it's streaming inward through your ego right to be able to filter what's real versus what's not and what's a projection of your beliefs and what you've been taught and so i do think it absolutely shatters the ego when you go through the spiritual awakening but i also believe the leap of faith comes when you rely and trust on the inner wisdom and that's the fragile part That's the fragile part for the personality when you're going through that huge transformation because you only know what you know up until that given point. And a lot of times those constructs really are paradigm that you've been taught from the voices that you hear as a child. And so the beautiful thing about what Jung did is he just fell, right? His leap of faith was like a fall into Philemon's arms to guide him through all that, what would normally be called schizophrenic, Mm -hmm. right? With the voices and the images and everything that he went through. And that's why he has been labeled psychotic because he clearly articulated what was happening. But the thing is, you just can't get hung up on the label right? Because there was so much more going on in his process of integration. And so I do believe that he was a real groundbreaker because he had the courage to not go through that process, which, you know, would be more normally very a private personal process and a spiritual process. He had the courage to articulate it and not you know, not give a damn about what people were going to label. It was there for that rich work for people who could actually get underneath the label and see what he was going through to help others as I a think, healer.
0: Exactly. And that's really, really helpful. I think for in a way to normalize the the, the process of spiritual awakening. I mean, not that I don't know if you can ever normalize it, but to under, help people understand that there is a process that everyone goes through when they're in when they're in their awakening and ultimate realization and the, it's part of if you go to india they and the yogis speak about it really openly if you go to tibet and the Bon tradition and many of the traditions they'll speak about what happens and the dreams and so forth so you know and, and of course in those traditions you have a guru or you have a a group or a mystery school in the celtic world you would have had a mystery school where you would probably be contained for a while um, protected when you were going through your ovate phase your your evolutionary (laughs) phase and and then once you would have completed that cycle you would come back into the community with more awareness so for i mean in the in the druids would have learned the language of the trees or in, in the ovate phase they would have learn the, the language of the trees and then have integrated that into their being. They don't really have to necessarily speak about it, but when they're, they're moving through the landscape, this symbolic world is part of their functionality. And that's one thing I love about the real druids, not Hollywood, but the, but the ones like the shaman who are open to the other worlds yet are yet re- still retain some sense of functionality Which Merlin would have been for author, as I said in the beginning. So,
1: Yeah, and then it kind of becomes, like you said, there is a path Mm -hmm. and there is, for lack of a better word, kind of a formula, right? Mm -hmm. That a lot of these books that talk about the formula, they talk about the wounding, they talk Mm -hmm. about the talents that these individuals have, the gifts that come through, how they're developed, finding the teacher, going through the process, and um but then ultimately, there's usually an authority that's developed. And I think that's one of the things that I love about your example about Jung when he went through his is he found through this really insecure process when he didn't know what was going on and he felt really crazy and that it was madness overtaking him. Um, he found an inner authority. And so that's the other part of that formula that typically happens through the development and the awareness and the strength that emerges through being, you know, a valuable member of the society. And then the service to society is usually a part of that. There's also an authority that happens where you feel personally, not only responsible for these gifts that have been bestowed upon you for whatever reason, um, then there's the authority with it. And that's the provenance of knowing that you can call to yourself what you need. And I do believe that's where our evolution is going, is for everybody to have this evolution of our personal authority and to rely less, right, on the dogmatic stuff that doesn't necessarily serve us and into our own provenance as spiritual individuals embodied in a human form at this time.
0: I call it direct knowing. Or no right. sense. So it. So you've learned. You've learned how what your gifts are, um, what the the illusion of the ego, and how to operate in this world. So I also really believe this is where we're headed. So uh, I'm running out of time here, but I would love for people to know how to get in touch with you, how to do your uh, your your the test to find out what their unique skills and gifts are. Can you tell our, our listeners something about that?
1: sure well i all my work i'm a i'm a a health practitioner but i'm also an educator so all my work is on inspired potentials you can find um my research and what i'm you know talking about and there's the test that is a very um you know easy test to go through i write an email very specifically to each person that takes the test um, what the results are and a little bit of information about each of the gifts and how they work. And then I offer people to connect with me individually for like a free consult to if they have questions. Um, so my role now I feel is to serve my community and offer any kind of help and support if there are questions. So I try to make myself really accessible, uh, to people who are curious about the get curious about the gifts and then how they can develop them or use them in their lives. Okay.
0: So you're one of the support people if you find yourself in a spiritual awakening. So I think yeah. this is good. It's important to know the team.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I went through it, you know, and I when I went through it, I was in mental health, you know, like the medical model of mental health that did not help individuals um, that were going through a, a spiritual process. But at the same time, I was also um, blessed to work with a chaplain who was in our division at mental health, and he saw things in a very different way. And so he, you know, educated me about the spiritual process as well, like the dual process between mental health. And so there is t- there are times where it is psychopathological, right? And symptoms are symptoms of mental health, but then there's other times that it's not. And so I think that's a very valuable resource for our communities to be able to help people walk through that time period.
0: I think so. And it can be a combination of things too, but I I, I feel as the, as the soul, as the soul becomes freer, as the soul becomes more liberated, there's a natural, kind of like a natural sanity that arises too.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yes. I've experienced it myself.
0: Yeah. There's a wholeness that emerges and that's, you know with Joseph Campbell, right? So that's the quest for the Holy Grail. <laughs> right there. You, yeah, you become
1: less. You become less. Things become a lot less dramatic and anger and angst filled, and you start to recognize when you when you put on, um, you know, your spiritual self and you walk within your soul. You just start to see everything kind of spiritually. Is playing out and and it seems a lot more predictable. I and mean, there there's still surprises and spiritual like surprises that come because you don't know what's going to unfold, but it just becomes a little bit more balanced and calm. That's my experience with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that you can trust the unfolding process. I think mm-hmm. for, for me, the big thing was basic trust. I can I can actually trust this universe and the way that this is unfolding, but it seems crazy. And and you can trust. How it's playing out forever. You can trust it. That was that was the thing that really blew my (laughs) blew the body, mind, soul for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, when you go into the surrender, when you truly surrender and realize that this is a spiritual process, especially when it's a spiritual crisis or an acute uh, crisis that you're going through, you start to recognize that it's more. It starts to feel more like a destiny. Like, you know, you're talking about with the Arthurian legends and Merlin and these different individuals in that story, you start to realize that you you have a place in your story and your destiny is playing out. And then you let go a lot more and you become um, a lot more blissful and recognize there's fun. And in the exploration of surrendering to the moment of what's going to arrive.
0: Mm, that made my heart so warm and it's so true. And everyone listening today has a place in this world, and everyone is loved beyond belief. And all we have to do is step out of our way and just allow this to unfold.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. Learn who you are.
0: <laughs> and so it shall be. So thank you, Courtney, for your wisdom. And it, it just your work is really fabulous. I, I appreciate it. I think it will help a lot of people.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun.
0: Yes. Yes. Fun. Fun is is yes. I love more fun. Playing. More fun. More fun. <laughs> more, more fun. Food. More exploration. More <laughs> the yeah. grail quest is fun. Consciousness is right. fun. <laughs> right. Okay. And so thank you to the listeners who have joined in as well. May your lives be filled with love and light and direct knowing. Okay. So you've been listening to Inkate Kate Sullivan, host of messages of infinite light if you want to view my books or find out more about my teachings please visit infinitelightpublishing.com or nkatesullivan.com so until we meet again may the light be with you every step of the way many blessings
1: thank you for listening to the superpower network go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today